I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone. It's me, David Chen. Welcome to Decoding Reality, a podcast about reality television right here on the Decoding TV network. Uh, you can find more episodes of Decoding Reality at decodingreality.tv. And of course, check out the Decoding TV flagship podcast over at podcast.decodingtv.com. Many people may not are, know. Are you saying this is not the flagship podcast? You didn't launch Decoding TV to talk about Love is Blind? Many people may not know that I cover other television shows as well in addition to Love is Blind. Anyway, joining me as usual, Joy O'Napping. Thanks for chatting with me today about Love is Blind. How's it going? Um, It's great. Uh, you know, the wedding episodes of this Love is Blind show always make me think about our wedding. Um, and uh, this is maybe the first time I felt a little jealous <laughs> of the show's wow. wedding. Oh, okay. Just the uh, decor, you know, there were some really great floral arrangements I saw. All right. Well, on today's episode of Decoding Reality, what we're going to be doing is discussing and spoiling and to some degree recapping season four, episode 12 of Love is Blind, which is streaming right now on Netflix. Uh, and uh, do email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. There were a few people that emailed us like right after the episode aired. Could not wait to f- to for the episode to finish airing before they, they shared our thoughts. Uh, they shared their thoughts with us about the finale. So lots to discuss today, Joy. So we're, we're going to be discussing the finale. Now, we had originally said last week, hey... Might not discuss the finale. Uh, might just be a, a big wrap-up episode with the finale and the reunion episode all lumped in together. And Joy basically said, the line must be drawn here. Absolutely not. We're going to have a separate recap of the actual finale episode in addition to the to the uh, reunion episode. Um, well, you know, so. I heard from one of the tens of dozens of listeners that, you know... Basically, it's my friend, Anju, and she's like, if you don't have time 
uh, or if Dave doesn't have time, I have a Yeti and I can step in. Wow. Like the people, the people. And need so you this. were like, that must be prevented at all costs, basically. <laughs> okay. To be a little more serious, the challenge was that yesterday was my birthday, which was very lovely, but it was a very, I was potentially going to be on the road. So things came together very last minute. Um, that is not any kind of critique of David as a husband, um, but just the situation was very fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wasn't 100% sure what we could commit to. But here we are, the morning yes. after. Yes, the morning after the finale has aired, and uh, and we are here talking about it. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. I mean, uh, usually we like to begin by discussing anything that was brought up last episode or anything that's happened since last episode that might be worth mentioning, right? Or a spate of corrections that we might have. Yeah. Or, I, I or think we may not have any major corrections. No major corrections. Anything else that came up, Joy, that you wanted to mention before we get into kind of overall thoughts on this episode? Well, I do want to share contextually because it was my birthday that we watched this um, immediately after eating birthday cake with um, <laughs> our friend Carter um, and my parents, uh, who ordinarily would not have been there and also have never seen a single episode of this show. So watching them react to it uh, was pretty, pretty funny. Yeah. So we watched the Love is Blind season finale with Joy's parents who had never seen an episode of Love is Blind before. And she may refer to their reactions during the course of this podcast episode. Yes. And they've never seen any reality dating show. So they really have no (laughs) no frame frame of reference reference for any of this. Yes. I think you also wanted to bring up some news about Marshall that's come up since uh, the last episode, right? Well, this is a small thing, but um, Marshall, as you mentioned um, previously on Decoding Reality, many of the um, participants in Love is Blind seem to have been given way freer reign to talk to the press and post and whatever. And I think that's partly, you know, Netflix wanting to actually get attention for the show. My my sense is that they have like perfected the template for how they do PR for the show at this point, because nothing was spoiled in advance by the cast members. uh, And, but they still did a ton of press during the season. So I just think it was very smart. Like before, I think it was like lockdown. Don't say anything to anyone. We don't want anything to be spoiled this season. It was more like the cast members can talk and everything's going to be okay. And and so they even had a pods bus, I think in like New York city where you could meet deep. Oh, well there's there's activation. It was activation. It was like, pods around the country where you could like you know it was meet bartice uh, and kwame that won't go sideways <laughs> yeah but eventually they're going to start developing ways for people to want to watch the show um no i'm just joking anyway go ahead it's joy what were you gonna say well so in one of these um interviews that marshall has given and so i i appreciate that the it feels like in the past seasons the cast members have been really disempowered and and held down yeah like wanting rearing at the bit to give their chomping at the bit to give their side of the story and been unable to do so and that's a terrible feeling for them um on the other hand this kind of free flow of information means that the show or what we think of as the stories of the show extends so far beyond the boundaries of watching the show that it's quite hard to keep up with so probably people didn't pick up on this necessarily but marshall gave an interview in which he was asked did you talk to anybody else from the pods after you and jackie broke up and he said yes i talked to Keisha. Now, the the producers aren't going to highlight this because they never showed Keisha 
in the first place. Um, but it basically sounded like a pretty sad story. He said he was very gentlemanly and vague about it, but he said, I feel a lot of regret because I think I led Keisha to believe there was like a chance there that wasn't really there. Um, and so I, who knows what other kind of tentacles of, of real experiences people are having that we aren't even necessarily exposed to. Indeed. Um, you know, there's a few other things that have actually also occurred. Uh, I don't, I don't know if we want to talk about the Jackie apology or not Jackie apology, Jackie Instagram. Oh, I was like, Jackie's never going to apologize. She won't apologize till she's 90. Let's uh let's put that up on the screen here. Putting up on the screen. Um and I'll read from it. So Jackie from the show posted the following quote I have seen the latest episodes that have premiered on Love is Blind and I must speak the truth. Marshall David, we talked I- about this last time. Can we Did I I don't remember reading this we, whole thing though. We didn't but, read it, but yeah. I we covered all the content in this. Okay, okay. Well, never mind then. Um, I'm very up on the latest with Jackie. I'm, I'm watching Jackie like a hawk. All right. I, 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 I think the main update I can offer is that I had my teeth cleaned and she was not my dental hygienist. Yes, so that was a big. Dodged. That was a big step. Okay. Uh, and then also Chris Yimon in the YouTube chat at uh, YouTube.com/decodingtv says Wendy Aerospace Engineer did engage did get engaged on the yes. show. There's a People Magazine article. The kickboxing now, aerospace engineer. Um, so according to People Magazine which I am reading right now about Wendy, aerospace engineer. Jimmy and Wendy got engaged after being each other's top picks from the start. They bonded over their joint interests, including shared careers in engineering, and their relationship continued to grow over time. Once they returned to Seattle, Jimmy and Wendy dated for three months, but she ended up breaking up with him after realizing they had different perspectives on dating. They have since remained on good terms, end quote. So... That sounds real, like a very Seattle couple we missed out on. Real Two emotional engineers. roller coaster. Real emotional roller coaster there. Um, I do think that we may not know every couple that's ever gotten engaged on the show that didn't kind of make the final edit of the, you know, getting the weddings produced. But I think that none of them have gotten married if I'm right. I'm not, I, I, I do not endorse that statement that Joy just made because I have no proof. So we're going to have probably have another fact check. Joy is just throwing around random assertions in this podcast. Um, all right, so episode twelve. Let's talk about it. Uh, we saw all the results of all the weddings, and I think this is the uh, this I am pretty sure of. This is the highest success rate in terms of yes. number of weddings that actually went through. There were three weddings where both parties said yes out of four possibles, um, and that is like the highest percentage of any show, or not percentage. I think actual absolute numbers as well of any season. Right. So I didn't see season one, but I think. Two couples got married I think from that's it. Right, yeah. Is that right? And one of them got divorced, and one is still together. Is that? Let's not put out stats that we. I don't think that's right. So let's not put out stats that we don't know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, two. <laughs> clearly, the pressure of my prior corrections is really weighing <laughs> on this casual banter podcast. Yep. Yep. Um, and then in the second season, I know I, for a fact. Oh. Yeah. What? No. No. I was just. I was just saying. I think. I think I've already said all that needs to be said about that. Suffice to say. A, a, a you know the most number of weddings happened, and that's great for Seattle because it shows that Seattle is just full of loving people. You know that's that's all I wanted to. Well, typically, okay, can I say typically yeah. like two couples get married? It feels like like it's in yes. the one to two kind of range. Yes, so to get to three feels like a really big deal, and then to have lost Marshall and Jackie, so there were only four chances, quote unquote, to have three out of those four feels quite quite surprising. Mm-hmm. So. 
we got to see four weddings of which three were successful. They were all seemingly in the same location. And mm-hmm. uh, that location, that area is stunningly beautiful. Right. And do you know what the location is, Joy? It's I, think I believe it's, a- it's called North Fork Farms in Snoqualmie. So it's kind of near where Twin Peaks was filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The original show, it's like right at the edge to almost be called suburbia now for Seattle. But it's because Seattle is like nestled in the mountains. It really has that kind of rugged mountain feeling. Um, it is. I-, I thought it was stunning. I would have been you know, thrilled to be gifted that location for my right right like especially coming from like season one of the show where the wedding looked pretty sad uh i have to say like Like it was in a conference center yeah and it's just like every and they're fitting everyone in there it looked like it was like in a hotel like lobby basically and which is not there's nothing wrong with getting married in a hotel but it just you could feel that they're just trying to cram as many weddings into the most efficient space possible in season one going from that to this which is like this would be the envy of most people's weddings right this um this wedding in North Fork Farms in Snoqualmie. Setting um, aside the rain and the fact that everyone had to wear like Patagonias <laughs> to stay There warm. was one guy wearing a full-on like blanket in the audience, uh, which is really funny. So, yeah. Uh, I was into that guy. But the, the location was pretty awesome. Uh, and I think the whole season has showed that Seattle is a really beautiful place to live. So, uh, and, and potentially get married. So. so can we talk about the high rate of people getting married on this show? I wonder, of course, there's a lot of randomness in these small numbers. Um, so I don't want to overread into it. But I, I did want to reflect that I found the Seattle dating scene when I moved here from Chicago, another place that, you know, season two was filmed. Um, I found it a little weird as a place to just date. But I did find that people were more... Um, ready to settle down. There were more single people at different um, ages. So in Chicago, I really felt like you kind of lived on, this is just my own experience, you know, but like on a conveyor belt where you live in this neighborhood, if you're right out of college and you're rooming with a couple friends, you know, then you move to this neighborhood when you're a young professional, then you move to this neighborhood when you get married, and then you move to this neighborhood when you like have a stroller but haven't put your kids into school yet, and then you move to whatever neighborhood or the suburbs when you are ready to put your kids in school. And it, it felt like you were on this kind of path through the city, at least among my friend group and um, there's a lot of privilege in what I just said. <laughs> you know, I want to acknowledge that. But I think that it sort of made me feel sometimes like if I hadn't advanced to the next stage and made the move to the next neighborhood that I was like behind other people. And I had absolutely no feeling of that when I moved to Seattle. I was in my 30s and it felt like a great place to be sort of single in your 30s, single in your 40s, single in your 50s. Um, I have that. That's just a thing I've noticed. Um yeah, that's interesting because that is the experience of almost no one else. Um, Seattle is highly, re- highly re- regarded, or sorry, frequently regarded as one of the worst cities ever to date. Um, there is an article in the Seattle Times I'm reading from, from 2019. Seattle singles may not be surprised to hear that for the second time in a row, the city has been named America's worst city to find love by the Great Love Debate podcast a touring series of town hall-style events that's returning to the region next month. Solo Seattleites earned low marks across the board for lack of communication, confidence, and optimism, according to staffers behind the podcast, who used a formula weighing the opinions and demographic data for more than 92,000 singles over the past five years and millions more who listened to the podcast. 
Uh, Daniel Compeomore wrote, quote, I quickly learned that Seattle men are far different from any other type I've encountered. Shy, timid, and seemingly incapable of striking up a conversation, let alone offering to buy a female a drink. The Seattle male's inability to successfully merge with their female counterparts reminded me of our, the colossal cluster that is I-5 on-ramps. Much like a Seattleite merging onto a freeway, our men's apprehensive tendencies leave them incapable of finding either the open lane or the open bar stool, end quote. So, uh... I'm really glad that's been your experience, Joy. I just wanted to acknowledge that. I actually think my experience is not in direct conflict with the way you just said. I think I don't want someone to buy me a drink because I make enough money to buy a drink. I don't need to be taken care of. So I have like a very feminist version of like what dating looks like that is probably, according to this article, coded as the man being, I don't know, like a beta and ineffectual. And I'm like, this is how I like it. When I got wow. to Seattle, first of all, thank you, Joy, for outing me. <laughs> yeah. Great, F- really appreciate that. But you don't thanks. have enough dollars in your wallet to buy me a drink. It works out great. Thank, thanks. Um, awesome. <laughs> no, like when I first got to Seattle, I was coming from other places. I've mostly lived in the South, but also Chicago. And I would get to a door, and no one would open it for me. And I realized, like, that's the quote unquote cost of feminism here is like, I got to get my own door. And I was like, you know what? I will do this to feel less oppressed. This feels great. So um, I would also say part of what I was trying to express is that mm. I actually think the city, if you are going to stay single and not couple up is a comfortable place to do that. That's for me. Like it in other mm-hmm. cities, it felt like you must be in a couple. Um, and at a by a certain age or like you've lost your chance and that was very irritating to me mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so okay you know hey it ain't for everyone but i'm just putting out there it, it was for me and a small note about the on-ramps for i5 i think what that person is speaking to since we're this is probably our last chance to talk about seattle culture um is the fact that when people drive here they, they also have that sort of timid shy retiring <laughs> energy when they drive on the highway they tend to drive the speed limit um they merge early um you know if you have to have a force merge it's just a very sort of polite rules-based feeling um and so just fyi if you ever come here um don't be the jerk that merges too aggressively mm-hmm. now i know you have different feelings about that david but it, it is a very different subculture than anywhere else i'm just i'm just still getting i'm still reeling from the fact that i think you just called me a beta in front of everyone you know which is uh now i feel like i need to defend my honor but that's okay you know i'm so secure in my masculinity i'm just willing to let that sit there so uh let's move on to the episode let's move on to the developments that have occurred shall we there's no other meta topics right (laughs) (laughs) not unless you need to book time at the shooting range later to (laughs) prove how alpha you are uh okay so um the big thing that happened uh at the end of last episode was chelsea said yes and then kwame we didn't know what he was going to say and then we find out at the beginning of this episode kwame says yes now there's been a lot made about this topic because i i think really this episode in my opinion shows that to, to a large degree the edit has failed uh, love is love is blind season four. The edit has failed because everyone was expecting Kwame to say no, and everyone was expecting, and nobody understood kind of the extent of the problems between Micah and Paul. 
Uh, because that everything... one is a bigger problem. To right, me. right, right. Yeah. But like everyone was expecting Kwame Sano, no one knew that Mike and Paul had all these problems, and so it's like very little of those things were in the edit. And so I think th- part of it is the the failure of the edit to kind of show us these things. But that being said, I do think th- that there is a lot of positive stuff shown between Kwame and Chelsea. Um, but none of us, I think, were expecting Kwame to say yes. Right, Joy? Um, I think I said I thought he would say yes, but I thought he should say no, which again is like partly a reflection of the edit. But even if there was all this marvelous connection that we didn't get shown, and even if things were chopped up to pieces in some of their disputes that made us feel like she was not being as flexible or understanding about the level of like sacrifice he would have to make to move to Seattle. Um, or we missed out on footage that indicated the family would think it's really okay, or he could become at peace with his mom, you know, all, all the major kind of building blocks of their story. Nonetheless, he did flirt with Micah twice. And I don't think there is like a friendlier version of the edit that could probably absolve that. Um, the way that they spoke to each other in sort of coded language about, you know, I, I just really care about you. I think about you all the time, you know, like it was very uncomfortable. So I am curious if now almost a year later in the live reunion, Chelsea will have seen that footage and like what her reaction is going to be. I, I can all the rest of it. I can assume, you know, is just we missed it in the edit and there was like a stronger connection than we thought. There has been a lot of dialogue online about Kwame's demeanor in the moments following the wedding, right? Um, And about how he looked extremely uncomfortable. He looked very stiff uh, and that he didn't look happy. Um, And I, you know, it's, it's funny, it's funny to read the memes, but at the same time, you, you never really know what's going through someone's mind during a high-pressure situation like that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but let's – here, I, I will put up a, a, a couple of memes. Uh, I'll, put up, I'll put up one uh, very popular tweet here on the screen. Um, but it basically is a comparison between um, Kwame seeing Micah at the party versus Kwame seeing Chel- Chelsea walk down the aisle – um, I sent this to you yesterday, Joy, and it's it's basically he looks way happier to see Micah than Ch- seeing Chelsea on their wedding day. Um, I think that is so unfair. I, like, yeah, I mean, okay, go obviously ahead. part of the allure with with Micah and it being easy is that there's not an actual commitment there. Like, it is a lot easier to have a fun flirt than it is to like commit to somebody. And I, I don't know, I just I feel uncomfortable with reading too much into this because maybe people are right, you know, who are making this like comparison. But I, during my own wedding day, which wasn't filmed for national television and right. or global television and wasn't like this level of pressure cooker, you know, normally if people are going to call it off, they do it before they get to the I do moment, you know, like, um, so I felt pretty confident when I was walking down the aisle that it was actually happening i was like physically shaking i probably did not look incredibly happy i'm not sure i looked like so i i remember my body was flooded with so much stress cortisol from trying to get down this aisle that had stairs on it and not fall over that like i i was not in a good state and if you had taken a photo of me right afterwards i'm not sure i would have looked so happy you know like and so um not to say i didn't have lots of happy moments that day but um 
I don't know. I, <laughs> it's, a, it's a stressful situation, and you just can't, you can't you can't judge based on what people how people are reacting like this snippet of interactions that you're seeing, right? Yeah, and who unless, knows what unless, he's thinking about? Unless they're Brett and Tiffany, which uh, in which case you can judge. They look they look super happy and awesome, and blessings upon them. Um, but yeah, anything else about uh, Chelsea and Kwame? I think I'm just so curious because they might live here now you know he may have gone through with the move yeah. um if there are neighbors i could totally see them ending up in our neighborhood <laughs> and our neighborhood's very tight-knit um and the you know she really wanted to have kids right away so they might even be pregnant you know we'll see in the reunion special i guess yeah or uh or kwame found out that micah micah's wedding didn't happen and maybe that complicated things um so I don't think Micah is that messy. I think Micah wants to be chosen, but I don't think she would go and like. I'm not saying it'd be her fault. Anyway, anyway, we'll see. (laughs) Terrible, terrible. We'll see. All right, so that's 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 Kwame and Chelsea. I did. I the the edit didn't make it seem like he would say yes. It seemed like there was too many issues for him. Uh, But if he is in fact like committed to the situation, then I uh, you know we'll see what happens at the reunion. But I you know. Uh, I wish them the best. Um, Can I just slightly It's it's a confusing edit, though. Go ahead, though. I I actually think it's exactly the right edit for reality TV, which is you want the audience to be guessing up until the last minute. And I thought it was 50-50 unclear in the edit. Which Uh, I see. I see. For me, I thought it was like very heavily leaning against. That's kind of, uh, I would say like 80-20. So, and then for it to be 80-20, he was going to say no. Um, and so for it to be a reversal, that was, was a little bit disorienting personally, but anyway. Yeah. Well, SK said no after we got an edit where we thought he would say yes. So, yeah, but, uh, but they still were together. Like, he, he, you know, you know, it was, it was very different than the other no's that have been on sure. the show. Okay. The okay. Okay. Anyway. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, Micah and Paul. Ugh. What happened here? Like, I think the viewer is left to wonder, what the hell was that? Because, again, the edit makes it seem like he's fairly likely or he's on the fence. And then she also seems leaning yes. But at the last minute, she basically says, instead of answering whether I do... It, and you get the sense that the producers will make the person who says "I do" go first. Like the, the sure yes, go first. Yeah. So because there's not a consistent, the there's not a consistent order. 
Um, right. Sometimes the guy goes first. Sometimes the woman goes. There's no consistent order. Right. Yeah. And so. then she punts it to him. And from that moment onward, people start saying things off camera or like to the behind the scenes, you know, one on one that feel like they're from a different show or a different storyline. You know, mm-hmm. like he basically didn't feel she never felt safe with him. Why Why was she thinking of marrying someone she never felt safe with? You know, um, and getting to a yes is not necessarily the safety. You can still feel unsafe after he says yes. You know, so like it, it was a very odd. Um, he says he never could picture her as the mother of his children, which feels like a pretty big issue. Um, so it. And yet, in when he's talking to his guy friends, he's like, last night I had a certain decision. Today I'm feeling differently. So it does feel like he really contemplated marrying someone who he wanted, even though he wants to have children, that wouldn't be the mother of his children. The whole Paul pre-wedding thing was very fascinating to me because mm-hmm. I think – When, um, like, very often people don't know what a person's relationship with someone else is like. Like, your friends sure. often don't know the full extent of what the relationship is like. And so he, he, we as humans in society are coded uh, to, like, encourage – like, every everything, every aspect, every institution, every social norm in our society is configured in such a way to get people to couple up. Right. And Paul is having really uh, genuine struggles about it. And he's like, he's, you know, he's saying, hey, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about that. Every single person he talks to says, hey, Paul, you're overthinking it. Hey, Paul, like, don't get in the way of yourself. Like, hey, Paul, like, stop being super analytical. Like, you know, and so that's interesting. That's an interesting dynamic that I think is probably pretty true to life for a lot of people. Is like if somebody was like they see two people, they have no idea what the relationship is like, but they meet, you know, they've met them and it's like, "Hey, th- that person's nice." Like, "Oh, you should hold on to that, per-, you know, whatever." Like, that's that's just a very common dynamic, I think. Um, unless it's like super toxic, which I don't think this was, right? I think what um, you're saying is other people not being able to see fully into a relationship um, when they see that something is like kind of good or good enough or the person seems nice, will kind of tell you to go for it. Is that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Because they can't then, see all the problems. And Paul is, I, I thought Paul had a really interesting struggle where he says, hey, like I'm really on the fence. And to me, it's, uh, he can't deal with the fact that such an important decision can be basically decided via the equivalent of, the equivalent of a coin flip. Like he can't, you can see he cannot process that because he's like, maybe one day I feel like, yes, maybe the other day I feel no. And like, and he he just, he just can't process the idea that life is full of the, life can sometimes have these risks that you can't fully calculate. Um, And so he he felt very tormented by that. And, um, uh, and that's something that I understand, you know, like um, just as somebody who has, uh, who has difficulty making big decisions sometimes. Like, I, I understand that. But then, as you point out, there seemed to be a whole subplot that was missing from the edit where uh, neither of them really felt like they were comfortable. There's There's been a whole um, conspiracy theory that's come up online 
that Micah threw it to Paul because Micah was going to say no too, and she didn't want to look like the bad guy. Uh, the other theory is that Micah knew that if she said yes, it would sway Paul. Uh, and so she's trying to kind of be compassionate to him. That's kind of the the most surface level reading, which I I actually am fine with either reading. You know, like I think either could be true. Um, but I didn't know if you had any opinion on like which which one of these theories might be accurate, Joy. I mean, no. Um, I think just like I can't read what yeah. Kwame's body language was. I I don't think it's knowable. Um, I, I but, but I the think way it's, she it's, said it, yeah. it was a little bit of a pre prepared sounding language you know so i i think she had planned that um it is really odd i mean we have not even talked about shelby who gets an awful lot of screen time throughout the season um showing up with her like disdainful glares and side eye throughout the whole thing and then at some point during the wedding saying i'm not drunk enough for this um that when like Micah throws it to Paul first. Paul says no. Micah walks out on him mid sentence, and Shelby basically says, "This is the way I hoped it would go." Yeah. And now I I know there can be editing tricks about when things happen in time, but that was pretty tough to hear. It did make me wonder if Shelby coached her to not go first. Yeah, uh, and we should also point out that. Shelby is the true villain of Love is Blind. So, More than uh, Jackie? Okay, so... Uh, somebody, Everyone's the true villain to you. <laughs> somebody on our YouTube channel commented uh, that, hey, the, all the other people who like said no at the altar got to keep their rings too. So the fact that Jackie kept her ring is not like indicative of whether she's an actual villain or not. And it's like, okay. Um, I, I Basically, I wanted to scale back my thoughts on my intensity mm, of on Jackie a little okay. bit. I, I still okay. think she is the worst this season for sure, but uh, the homophobia um, does it for me, but yeah. slightly, slightly less than the worst than what I said earlier. Uh, that said, Shelby's reaction, I do think is genuinely reprehensible. Like, I think that to take joy in your friend's humiliation even if it is an outcome that you wanted, you know you're being filmed. You know Paul's not like the worst guy in the world. Like it's, it, you know that that Micah certainly has strong feelings about it. Um, and then to be like gleefully laughing while your friend's storming off the stage, it's um, it's rough. It's it's not. It's really tough. It's not not good. Not not a good. Not that's that is not a good friend. Um, and honestly, I was surprised that Micah had even invited her to the wedding. Like, if a friend of mine was like, she's I there do for not- the whole thing. She's there for the dresses. She's there for the bachelorette. She's there the whole time. I, even I, who did not think Paul and Micah should get married, when Micah basically cuts him off mid sentence and just walks out because she can't tolerate like the feeling she's having and she doesn't want to have like an ugly cry in front of everybody, you know, like, which is understandable. That's a human instinct, right? Um, I felt bad for her. And, you know, clearly Shelby, who is much closer to her, did not feel bad or not bad enough. Side note, my mother, (laughs) at this moment where I am, I personally felt the most sympathetic to Micah that I have all season, just as a fellow human, my mother says, good for him. For Paul rejecting Micah because she was really not about this couple. Um, And I think, you know, 
um, it, it feels like we'll get some version of the truth maybe on Sunday during the reunion. I, I think, yeah. He, Probably like what you can intuit from the scraps we were finally given is that he cared about her and maybe he was in love with her on some level, but that didn't mean he wanted to marry her. And I have absolutely felt infatuated with or in love with people who I did not think were like the right life partner. And I think that both those things can be true. Um, so I don't, I don't know why this would be so, um, impossible, like to comprehend, um, for him earlier. Uh, but I think, you know, he would say stuff like, is it more like about not losing the person in the short run? And uh, it does feel like Paul has not had a lot of experiences where he was even in touch with his feelings or got to feel more, you know, grounded or nurtured. So I hope he finds that and someone who will be a witchy woman who brews kombucha and also wants to have children. Yeah. They can live on Vashon Island together. Uh, going back to the thing of, of Shelby, I think that's just if there was some if I had a friend who just did not support the marriage at all, I would not invite them to the wedding. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it just uh, so. Um, but and you know you can read into the fact that Micah has friends like this at all, you know. But it, it just the whole thing is not a good look for anyone. Um, and Shelby is so similar to Irina. Like you really do feel like Micah maybe kind of surrounds herself with these kinds of people yeah. um, and maybe doesn't know what a more supportive friend might look like. Um, or, I mean, another alternative is she, she probably knew there was some chance it would go down and maybe she wants the person who will like slash Paul's tires. The genius of the show Love is Blind is this is a couple, Micah and Paul, that I thought made absolutely no sense. They have virtually nothing in common. Um, they're, they're, other than the fact that they're both like fairly conventionally attractive people, you know, like, um, uh, but it, it's like, I, I don't know what they would talk about. I don't know. But th at the same time you hear them saying, Oh, I miss her all the time. And like, when we're not with each other, we want to be with each other. It's like, okay, what are, you know, like, um, it's, it's, if that's true, that's great. Uh, and so it was a couple that I'm like, I hope they say no because this is wrong for each other. They're they're not right for each other. That's like my feeling. Then when the no actually does happen, it's actually really sad. Micah's parents are there, and you know Micah's mom has like had health issues that's become very clear during the course of the show, and it's just like you don't wish this upon any family member. Like Love Is Blind forces you in forces these families into these really terrible situations. And makes you feel sympathy for a character like Micah, who you know in episode one or two is like at the bottom of my list. Now I'm, I'm now I actually feel bad for her because of everything that happened here. The people who are less charitable to her are saying online, "Oh, she manipulated everything to be like this." It's like, okay, maybe that's true, but her friend sucks. She got turned down at the altar. Her family had to watch it happen. Like that's that's no one wants that for anyone. So yeah. I feel like um, we'll see what happens on Sunday. But Micah also broke down into tears in another interview I saw um, recently where basically the person asked, like, what has it been like seeing, like, the social media reaction to the show? And she almost instantly started crying because I think um, she's – Unlike Irina, I think she actually can perceive why the stuff she had done is actually hurtful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously she apologized. We talked about this last time. But, like, I think she is really going through it. 
And I, I, I hope she's going through it because actually what she, a number of things she did were not great. Um, like flirting with Kwame twice in a pretty, like she started it. Way, well, and that awful thing time. that she said to that awful thing that she said to Kwame about like the proposal failing and stuff. That was the most, yeah. that was the most cold blood. Like we talked about that, but that was the, well, most and she thing. was like a killer in the pods too. And if she's now reckoning with like, what is it like to be like this kind of person um, setting aside like that, she got dumped and maybe that's like a sad experience, but I think people should have commensurate sad experiences. And like, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel that bad for her. I think she's like, except that for anybody to go on this show, the amplitude of what's coming at you is millions of people like deciding they should yeah. comment on your appearance, your choices, your what, like the amplitude is too much. But like, I also, I don't know. I, I suspect she's going to be in a pretty fragile place come Sunday. Can I uh, can I can I read to you from the the Instagram page of Micah? Is that cool? Uh, is it the apology? No, it's not. The, we already did that. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. want to make sure. <laughs> just make sure there's no duplicative content here on um, on the podcast. Uh, so she posted an image uh, that that has she she has since posted an image uh, of herself just kind of on a stool, and she says. Uh, quote, listen, I've taken care of myself my entire life. I'll be okay, heart emoji. Right? That's what she said. Uh, the top comment from a user named FeedRuru says, quote, Shelby has got to go. <laughs> 21,732 likes. Um, Kringle Pringle says, quote, holy sh! My friends would never laugh at my heartbreaks like that. Please. 9,700 likes. Um, Hina Panchi writes, quote, when I saw Shelby laughing at your pain and, quote, hoping it'd go like that, it finally made sense why you were the way you were with the other girls during the pod episodes. You are in a toxic relationship with your so-called best friend. She brings out the worst in you, and Paul actually brought out the best because I'm sure I'm not the only one that felt better about you dating during the later episodes. She is the worst friend anyone can have. Please take proper care of yourself by dropping her out of your life or anyone remotely similar to her and go to therapy to treat yourself with kindness. Unlike Shelby's treatment of you, end quote. 9,600 likes. I feel like Shelby's the one that's going to need some some therapy after this. Um, but Oh. <laughs> Shelby needed therapy before. You know, I, I, sure. I'm curious. I'm curious if she... Um, will find it even remotely an actual criticism of her. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I don't, she, yeah. she seems like a person who might be a little bit impervious to criticism, which mm -hmm. I mean, it is a way to walk through life. Um, I do want to say before we move on from Paul and Micah entirely, that Kwame has talked about the Micah stuff since the show aired. So can I read you some of this? Yeah. Um, so in a Q&A with Vulture, the question was, after you guys got out of the pods, you're, you're having all these long conversations with Micah. At the time, did you realize that this might make Chelsea uncomfortable? He says, man, the Mexico scene was tough. That was really hard to watch. Having to go through that again and feel it and think, wow, how could I be so stupid? He goes on to say it was dumb. It was immature. I let my ego get the best of me. Um, he talks also about the birthday party. Um, he, he, 
you know, kind of deflects a little bit, but basically, you know, is is trying to own up to some extent. Um, but one of the things he says that I think is interesting is he says, um, my entire life I've dated Micah's. Well, I guess Pod Micah. I'm going to be honest, Pod Micah's a little different from real life Micah. And I feel like there is a duplicity in how duplicity is way too strong. But like you and I talked about in the early episodes, how it really felt like people were finally entering this and playing it like a game. And I would put Micah at the top of that list. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like there was a lot of energy with the wedding included, which is like, she just wants to win. She wants to win the final thing and get the, the best outcome on paper. And if the down the road, that means a divorce, then fine. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I do, um, think that's a way to do this. (laughs) Um, and I'm sure the pressure to say yes on some level is actually quite high. So anyway. All right. Anything else on Micah and Paul? (sighs) I don't think so. But, um, I think the shock was not that somebody said no, but it was the, the, all the subtext that poured out afterward. Right, right. Um, and I, I would agree, you know, people can have their own opinions about whether Micah set this all up or whatever, but I think, um, I do think it is open to interpretation. I don't think there's a definitive case to be made either way, other way, unless, unless or until Micah actually comes out and explains what happened. So, you know, I do have something to say, and it's really catty. Okay, go ahead. I think Micah looks stunning. I think her dress is incredible the tailoring is incredible if you find yourself in the situation where you need to wear a dress that's that daring there are small snaps you can put into the dress so that your bra strap does not end up being that exposed it Uh was very distracting to me and i felt really bad for her because i think she actually looked amazing. She looked like a Veronica Lake era movie star. But um, yeah, anyway, or they can actually sew the bra into the bodice of the dress itself so that there are no straps. So just, you know, FYI. Some people were commenting. I saw a comment that like, that's how bad Micah's friends were is they let her walk down the aisle with the strap out like that. So, Well, the whole wedding looks pretty nice, you know, and yeah. so it's really out of place that this very this $4 fix that I just described like hasn't been done. Like it, there are ways in which the weddings can occasionally feel a little janky. And I think for me, that was one of them. Like you would yeah. never let that happen on your actual wedding day. But I agree. The overall <sighs> dress was was excellent. Like Micah's overall dress. Really, really beautiful. Really yeah. Yes. So. Yes. And not okay. everybody could pull that dress off. So, you know, anyway, I'm trying we to have some, really some late breaking. Yeah, uh, indeed. Uh, we have some late breaking news here from Christopher Yiman, who writes, quote, Kwame and Chelsea may, might not be together anymore. Kwame doesn't follow Chelsea on Instagram. And Chelsea didn't add any photos of them on Instagram after the wedding. So bad, bad sign. Bad sign when you don't follow. Yes. Them. And this vulture conversation, which you can go um, look up, you know, uh, he does say, like, in present tense, like, I'm her biggest hype man. She's my biggest hype man. You know, she's met my mom now. Like, I, 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 I don't know. TBD. Maybe she just got real mad in the past few weeks, which I would understand. <laughs> All right. After watching the show, go out there. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Uh, Brett and Tiffany. So great. They're almost boring. Um, incredible, incredible editing decision to preview him saying this shouldn't happen on my wedding day. Nothing should go wrong. And it turns out it's about the tailoring of his pants. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, the, the biggest drama that comes out of this is whether or not his pants fit, and it just reinforces why he's so cool um, because he wants to look his best, which like most men wouldn't care as much. Um, but he's awesome, and uh, he asks his her dad, her father, for you know her her hand in marriage. It's a very sweet scene, you know. It's it's just they seem like lovely people. The wedding seemed great. Uh, everything's great. Good job. And the only other thing is Marshall shows up and that's very powerful as well where like you can tell that the events of the previous few weeks have really hurt him. and But he's still there to support his friend. And that's also really lovely to see. The whole thing was very moving, I thought. So, you yeah. know, they spent a fair bit of time on Brad and Tiffany, even though they're like the least interesting television, quote unquote. But I, I did think it was nice to show him meeting the dad for the first time and what that conversation felt like it was nice to hear him talk again about his brother and you know how sad that was for him and to hear him talk about it with other friends i don't know it it felt like it's important to continue to mourn right um and make space for that um i thought it was really funny when his brother angus i think who i love um says to him like brett has raised his voice by about five percent and he's like don't get aggro with me (laughs) is like I'm not being aggro. I just want my tailoring, you know, to like look good. And you can tell he's frustrated. But I really felt that because I also am from a family that's really polite. So that would be aggro in my family as well. But you know, to the cameras, it's certainly not, you know, people throwing things at each other or whatever. Um, I was like, oh, what a what a calm, quiet family. That sounds very exciting um, to me. <laughs> This is what I would be familiar with. Um, And then I was really curious about the behind the scenes logistics that led them to that tailoring shop. The thing is, like, they are in the mountains an hour east of Seattle. There are not a ton of tailors who would be super close. And so for them to have to find somebody who would allow them to film, I feel like we got a lot of shots of that tailor shop and the name of the tailor shop because probably that was part of the deal is like hey can you tailor these pants immediately we promise we'll give you a lot of coverage <laughs> in this show yeah pretty, um, pretty high stakes because if they didn't do they didn't do a good job you know brett might have said so and that would have been bad press for them but um fortunately all was okay right i thought tiffany looked incredible her white ensemble with it was different than what she had picked out in the bridal shop and her tiara kind of reminded me a little bit of michelle yo at the oscars this Mm -hmm. year um i will say i thought brett looked great he always looks great i was hoping for a little bit more like fireworks in the shoe department um because Mm. you know of his background but that's okay he probably has fireworks in the shoe department 364 days a year so it was actually cool when he was like talking about these shoes in different colorways and the her dad like knew what he was talking about. And, you know, like I feel like sneakerheads really, they know. That was a really cute moment. Brett and Tiffany almost justify the entire existence of this horrifyingly terrible show in general because um, because, hey, if the show can bring those two lovely people together, maybe it was worth all of the horrors it has inflicted upon our society, you know? Um, they're also 34 and 36 respectively. And if the show cared about having people actually get together successfully, I do wish the show cast slightly older people Mm. more often. And I think that was a choice this season to go a little older and, and, you know, we'll see. Just because people older who get married tend to be, their marriages tend to be more successful. 
in general, I think, right? Well, I think you'd be a little bit less likely to have the scenario where someone hasn't been in a serious relationship at all before, which yeah. is Jacqueline. And then like, um, I think people often have a better sense of what they want. And they're honestly more financially stable. Often, you know, yeah. they're out of school and they're a little more settled. So I think Brett is probably the most financially successful person on certainly this season or, or, or one of the, right. Um, and it just, it just struck me that like, uh, he, he's got like a, probably like a pretty important job at Nike. And, um, it's, it's probably like a, a kind of a, uh, somewhat of a reputational risk to go on a show like this. I think I would say, um, Oh, Totally. Totally. Like I was, I was, uh, I, I have not been what I would describe as a uh, high-powered executive at a company yet, other than my own. <laughs> and uh, you're the highest-powered executive at highest, Decoding TV. I'm the highest-powered executive <laughs> at Decoding TV. But, but uh, if I, you know, if I was an employee with a, in a company that had thousands of people, like for me to put myself out in a show like this and not knowing that it would go okay, um, that'd be pretty risky. Pretty, pretty risky. So. All right, uh, but good, good for them. Congratulations. Hope we bump into them at uh, Trader Joe's sometime. Uh, I think they're in Portland, so our loss. Damn. Okay. As uh, we were sitting on the couch with my parents, I was like, Mom and Dad, do you see these people? Because I want to be friends with these people. So if these people show up in our life at some point, just remember, you know, they're awesome. And uh, and. For what it's worth, as my parents watched the show, Brett and Tiffany were by far their favorite couple, mm -hmm. you know, and unaided by me. Let's talk about the final couple, Zach and Bliss. I hope you dance. <laughs> they, in the recap, they brought up the I hope you dance thing again. Like, the, I hope you dance reference has been brought up, I think, at least four times during the course of the show. I think it's three to four. Yeah. So uh, I honestly didn't think that this would actually happen. Um, really? I, uh, like, I, uh, what my prediction was was that they would say no, but continue to date. That was my because it was so oh, okay. it's so quick. It's so quick. Like, even if everything goes well in Love Is Blind, you only have like three to four weeks, and then they missed out on a weekend or however long they were in Mexico. You know, so it's like they only ha they ha had significantly less amount of time. Bliss's dad really was an asshole the entire time. Like. Including right up when he's right, walking literally her down the right aisle. when he's walking her down the aisle. He's like, I, I was saying, oh, you know, last time I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was saying, oh, maybe he got a really rough edit, but no, like he's at, at, while he's about to walk her down the aisle, he's still kind of being a dick about it, and so it's like, okay, just he's remember, just, you're the one that has something to offer. Just remember, you always have your family, no matter how things yeah, turn out. Yeah, he's he's that's just he's just kind of being a jerk, and so, um, <laughs> you know. First impression reinforced. That said, he does seem genuinely moved when she's up there uh, at yes. the altar. So, um, but <laughs> the thing that made you and me die and our souls exit our body and fly into the nether realm was Zach's terrible speech at the altar. This is. One of the worst things I've ever heard on Love is Blind. Like, I thought Zach had already raised the bar for humiliation and self-embarrassment when he sang the song to Irina. That was already like, you see, you know, other cultures, they do these 
I, I once saw this thing where like cultures like do these things where they like rip their bodies apart in like something called like the ecstasy of pain or whatever. Anyway, I've seen things where people like physically tor- torture themselves, and and I was like. Wow, watching Zack sing to Irina was kind of like almost on that level, you know, on a spiritual level. Hmm. But then I watched Zack give this speech to Bliss at the altar, and it is so awful because, first of all, it doesn't seem like it's prepared. So it seems like he's just riffing. And secondly, it seems like he's like bringing it back to like all the bad things that he said. He's like, I knew when I said no to you, it was the worst decision I'd ever made. And every time I thought about saying no, it filled me with dread. And it's like, dude, do not be talking about this. This is so bad. And the way in which he's delivering it is bad. It's just, I hope they're happy, but that was really rough to watch. What did you think, Joy? You know, I was also surprised Brett, or I think maybe it was the officiant during Brett and Tiffany's um, marriage brought up her falling asleep in the pods. Um, it's like, wow, this is supposed to be like our triumphant moment where we look past some of our worst moments. And it really did feel like Zach. I think there was a kernel of a good idea in there, which is like to acknowledge the mistake but I feel like it then makes it about him and on some level makes it about Irina, who he doesn't mention. He doesn't say like saying no to you and then also saying yes right. to Irina made me real. You know, so there's something like only dwelling on the negative or the lack of. It made me realize how much I missed you. Like, why don't you just say some of her positive qualities? Like yes. at, which he eventually slowly gets to. It is a little discursive, you know, and a little meandery the way he gets there. And um watching her face, because she bounds up and she looks like so happy. And then watching her face become more like, where is this going? You know, as she is having to stand up there. You know, I think Bliss has to probably put up with a lot to be with Zach. That said, Bliss is given these um interviews in which she talked about the insane chemistry they have. And for me, that's not necessarily captured in the edit, but I, I believe it to be real. Yeah. I don't think she's yeah. lying. Um, and so I, I think there might just be something between them that we don't see. He really does come back to the owls and the I hope you dance again as like the signs that they should be together. And I, I suspect these and you not- you and I are like screaming at the TV saying, it's just a coincidence, Zach. It's not that big of a deal, basically. There are a lot of owls in the Pacific Northwest. It's a theme in Twin Peaks, which is shot in this area. It, 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 like, would be one thing, it would be one thing if it was, hey, my life's passion has always been to feed the poor, you know? And she's like, and that's been my life. I, oh, my gosh, that's a huge, you know? That that's like something that speaks to you, like the core of who you are, you know. Oh, like your values or your yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like priorities. she freaking likes owls in the song. I I hope you dance. It's just, it's yeah. it's again. If they are happy together, great. That's I love this journey for them. But but to kind of present these things as like major milestones or achievements or whatever, like huge unlocks, is just ridiculous. And then to follow it up with that speech was just excruciating. Okay. That being said, they seem very happy together. So good, good for them. Um, I will also say her dress. Um, I was pretty un- nervous about based on the bridal shop, um, but you know, I think you know I, the little sleeves are a little odd to me. But like, I, I think it kind of comes together, and you know, um, she looks lovely on her big day. So um, we might see them out and about because 
Kwame had to move from Portland. Tiffany moved to Portland, but this is the actual Seattle couple. So <laughs> maybe we will run into them at yes. the Trader Joe's. Yes, very possible. Very possible. Uh, and then they play the song, I Hope You Dance. And not only do they play the song, I Hope You Dance, but they play it for like the entire duration, I think, or the last like three to five minutes of the episode. Is that so? You really get the feeling that they spent, all, and I have a feeling not all the weddings listen to I Hope You Dance at their at their reception. So you get the feeling they spent probably, my guess is, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get I Hope You Dance. Uh, to play on Love Is Blind, the their largest musical cue expenditure by far ever. Everything else sounds like it was downloaded royalty free. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. They're like, so in, in- they're, they're calling up. They're like, "Hey, have we ever done a song where you need to pay royalties before? I've never dealt with this situation before." Um, they they had to build a whole music department. Uh, in order to play I Hope You Dance over the ending of these people's weddings. Alternately, someone called Leanne Womack and said, man, we got this tearjerker of a storyline. Can you let us have it for free? Because I was trying to explain to my parents, who, again, don't know anything about reality television and really don't even, they barely watch television. They recently have started watching Breaking Bad. So they're mm-hmm. like, oh, so this would be cheaper than Breaking Bad to make? And I'm like, yes. It's so, mm-hmm. so budget that the edits don't even make sense and no one has the time to fix it or care um so the idea that they would blow a ton of money on music at the end is is really really shocking um yeah you get the sense a ton of stuff is donated for the publicity you know venues are donated um so yeah i um and yet we got this huge emotional payoff I, I guess it feels pretty hollow to me. <laughs> like, it felt very hollow to it's me not, too. It's not like, hey, I hope like I hope you dance was my mom's favorite song, and the reason it was important was because blank. It's just, hey, it's a song I liked. I happened to like. I think right. That was was there any backstory behind it? I don't think so. Right. I think it's a little more than that. So if you listen to the lyrics, it's clearly about. It, it's told from like a parent to their child. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's basically like to seize life but also like um not lose your sense of wonder and you know move toward love and away from fear and you know don't let bitterness take you so i i, I think it is a little bit more fair, like that fair it enough. And, him and of the, his mom and the stuff with um, zach and his mom was genuinely moving and i yeah, don't mean i don't sure. want to like uh you know denigrate that in any way um but I just but, feel but like the, the show literal is... dance was quite awkward people were crammed in around the bar it was not a dance floor and the people around don't really look like they're having a great time. They look like they're freezing and some people are kind of like staring off into the distance. I feel like probably somebody held up their iPhone with the song on it. You know, like it's not, it doesn't feel quite the triumphant moment that it should be. I I am just upset that the show has been trying to gaslight us into thinking that is not a common song. That, That is really why I'm so upset about it. But I think she won like a a Grammy or something I, or a c- country music award. Like, I think it's like a pretty big deal. It's like the most famous song in her career. Um, so a- after yeah. coffee with Jess in the chat says, I guess I was the only one bawling during that part. LOL. But I am enjoying your Zach rant regardless. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope you dance won the 2001 country music association award for single of the year. 
It also uh, won the Grammy Award for Best Country Song and was nominated for Grammy Award for Song of the Year. Released in March of 2000, the song reached number one on both the Billboard Hot Country Singles and Tracks and Hot Adult Contemporary Tracks charts, and also reached number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100. <laughs> I'm just saying, this is not an obscure song, okay? <laughs> This is not some freaking deep cut. That's all. That is all I am saying. Okay. All right. I do Rant. think it worked. And since they paid the money for the song, the fact that they ran it over everybody's final, you know, wedding shots. All, by the way, the weddings, like the little thing with Brett and Tiffany in the vintage green truck, you know, like there were a lot of really nice little extra shots. I felt like, um, yeah, they, they have really, really, really upped the wedding part of this. In yeah. a way that I appreciate because for people to put themselves through this humiliation, um, I think they deserve an actually decent looking wedding day at the end of it, you know? 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap us up here today on Decoding Reality. You can find more episodes of this podcast at decodingreality.tv uh, and uh, check out our other TV coverage at podcast.decodingtv.com. Joy, we have a. Uh, 23 viewers live right now on the YouTube channel. That's um, almost two dozen. That That is about 95% of our audience that listens to the podcast is currently live in the YouTube channel right now. So thank you so much for joining us today at youtube.com slash decoding TV. Really appreciate that. In two days. No, one day. Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. 36 hours. At five o'clock yeah, Eastern? Five Pacific. Or five o'clock five Pacific. Pacific. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, we will be watching... Live, who knows how that's going to go? I I think Josh will come back. Like I, I I'm worried Jackie's going to like throw the ring in Marshall's face and start a fight. You know, but we'll see. She seems very upset. She seems very 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 upset on Instagram. Yeah, that's that's why I wanted to read that thing yeah, because you know I was trying to explain how upset she was. So I I think it will be uh, a very unpredictable reunion and 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 i have to say there is some there is a there is a frisson uh of excitement about this reunion because it is live so it's you, you know the, a key part of their advertising has been we don't know what will happen during the reunion uh and and i would say by the way uh also when they when you watch the chris rock uh special which they also broadcast live they edited out some portions of it or or it was a slightly edited version that went up like VOD afterwards. So they do, mm. they will make it available afterwards, but if something happens or someone swears or goes on a rant against, you know, a minority group or whatever, they may edit it out. Um, so uh, I do think it is a thing that is worth watching live because you don't know what the, what the, what the VOD is going to be. There will be a VOD, but you don't know if they're going to take anything out. So well, Jackie says she has receipts of Marshall, like with a transphobic slur and that will be in the reunion. I, I don't know if she knows that because that's like a pre-planned segment or something. I don't know if Marshall has used a transphobic slur. That's not great for Marshall. It doesn't change anyone's view of Jackie. So I don't think that's like going to help her the way that she thinks it might, but you know, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. It's going to be real messy. And then yeah. Brett and Tiffany will like be like, we're fine and like run off the stage and hopefully like stay away from whatever melee breaks out. Um, I do wonder if this will be in Seattle um, versus, you know, a soundstage in L.A. Uh, but I, I'm not going to be arrested for trying to break into anywhere on Sunday. You know, that's my goal. All right. Thanks for listening. And if you are a supporter. Oh, and, and we will react, right? 
Yeah, our current plan is to is to watch it and then do another broadcast at youtube.com slash decoding TV. Um, and of course, you'll be able to listen to that at decodingreality.tv as well. And if you want to support this show, you know, there actually have been a couple of subscribers, paid subscribers that I think have signed up because of listening to Decoding Reality. So if you want to support what we do, decodingtv.com, become a paid member. You get everything in podcast form ad-free. Thanks to everyone who's a supporter there. So, yes, All right. thank you. Until tomorrow, goodbye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.